Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2018. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. And what news, folks? <laughs> what news? What news? Um, personally, my news is that I sold three of my zines at the Portland Zine Symposium, and uh, that was great. Do you go every year? I do go every year because I always have usually a new comic, but this year it was a, a collaboration with, uh, with my best friend to make an illustrated poetry zine, and we illustrated each other's poems. So the fact that we sold so many of them already was actually really great. Mm-hmm. We made a lot of trades, so that was great. So I promote the, uh, promoting right here the Portland Zine Symposium, whether they like it or not. <laughs> Having suggest. a vague it's idea. Good for networking. I don't know a whole lot about zine culture, but you also, like, trade with a bunch of people around Mm -hmm. you? Yeah. Yeah, it's mostly cartoonists now, like myself. Mm -hmm. Here you go. So, um, some people do, like, uh, prose zines that are, like, usually kind of information booklets. Like, there's a lot of stuff about, like, you know, mental health awareness, and people will put out, like, you know, essays on mental health awareness, and maybe some pictures, and, like... Some people do more creative, like, photography projects, but it's mostly cartoonists who go. So zine is kind of deceptive in that it's mostly comics. What's the tone of most of these? Is it, like, um, upbeat or experimental? Well, I found that at Portland, at the Portland Symposium, there's a lot of the people who table, there's a lot of, like, that very mainstream Portland cartooning, which is very, like, Steven Universe. Some people even have, like, Steven Universe-type fan comic stuff. And, uh, or like Scott Pilgrim esque. That's a lot of the people. It's not my, my favorite stuff, even though I like Steven Universe. It's not my favorite thing in cartooning, but there are, you know, other people who are doing things like in watercolor and like, you know, books of their illustrations that are really creative. It kind of depends on who wants to table there and who. Mm-hmm. There's only $15 to table for a day and 25 to table for both days. So it's really really easy to have a table there which i like it's it's just not a very big sounds kind of a comic market-esque i was going to say what percentage of them are selling axis powers italia fan comics (laughs) there's a good like 40 percent any fan comics there might be a couple of people (laughs) who sell like stickers that might be fan art but it's not (laughs) it's not really it's more people's own original creations and a lot of the the stuff available might like i can tell some of them might be inspired by anime or Mm -hmm like you know very popular like fandom stuff but a lot of it is more um you know kind of like underground cartooning type stuff uh, you know like um portland has a huge actually cartoonist community i know half the time when i'm looking in the back of a graphic novel it's like and they live in portland <laughs> yeah yeah there's a huge community here a lot of like famous people and especially for like you know, there's some really talented cartoonists, I guess. There's also just a very specific, like, very cutesy art style that comes out of here that <laughs> it's not always my favorite thing, personally, but... I'm, I'm listening. Where, where is this? <laughs> <laughs> where is what? Uh, all this cutesy art style? I don't oh, <laughs> at the Zine Symposium. It's usually... It's, it was this past weekend, and it's every July. Um, every, like, last week of July on Saturday, Sunday in Portland. Hmm. Yeah, you should have come, Dom. I think it w- you would have had fun. It sounds like it would have been fun, yeah. Yeah. 
There were some good cartoonists. There were some people I wasn't that big a fan of, but a couple of people I follow on Instagram that it's nice to meet in person. So there's, yeah, there's some good artists there. I guess that's all I have to say. I kind of <laughs> wonder if you could turn any of these cartoonists into uh, animators. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, my one of my friends from the comic school I went to is an animator out of Seattle now um, who actually worked on a movie that's on Netflix that is also made by an acquaintance of mine, Dash Shaw, called My Entire High School is Sinking into the Sea. <laughs> and that is incredible. I highly recommend it. It's a very modern anime title. It's a good yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good, though. Um, yeah, my friend Bjorn worked on that, and uh, it's made originally by Dash Shaw, who's like, uh, he's actually a pretty famous cartoonist, a friend of mine. It, there's like a bunch of famous actors doing the voiceovers, like including the guy who was in Rushmore as the main character. What's his name? Rushmore. Um, yeah, he's in a bunch of um, those movies. I don't know people. <laughs> like, the guy who did Moonlight Kingdom, what's his name? He's oh. in a bunch of movies from that director. I feel stupid for not knowing, but yeah, or yeah, Moonrise that guy. Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. I am, yeah, my mind's going blank. We it's don't need to know hot. those things. That's what the internet is for. <laughs> yeah, it's too hot. I'm too tired. <laughs> no worries. Well, let's take your mind off the heat mm-hmm. and into the romantic heat. Uh, that, that was my transition. If you say stuff like that, it has to be less of a question than a statement. <laughs> yeah, you could just roll with it. Like, no one's going to come out and no like, one's gonna call judge me on that. you. Oh, yeah. no, we, we will, but... Later, though. Yeah. I'm sorry. Let me try that again. All right. Well, let's take your mind off the heat and into the romantic heat, because our fanfic today is The One I Love Is... Dot, dot, dot. No conclusion. By this person, Elaine Gravel, I guess. Also, Rakna online. R-A-K-N-A. This mm-hmm. is... Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, Our first time talking about something with that in our main series podcast here. It was published about March 1999 to March 2000. So it it ended right about first impact time? (laughs) (laughs) Was that March? I don't know. It was February 2000. Wow, really close. Yeah, Yeah. that's interesting. Well, probably, you know, the real conclusion was second impact and then he posted the epilogue later. (laughs) <laughs> um, this author was really studious about providing notes about when each chapter was started, when each individual pre-reader draft was completed, and yes. when it was published. Like, I am spearheading a podcast looking at old fan fiction, and that is more information than I care about, <laughs> you by care. far. You liked it. I don't care when the pre-reader drafts came out. <laughs> but you have to compare it to when the final draft came out to give you an idea of how much time this was in the oven. Yes, very important. Um, the copy we read is available on fanfiction.net. That's not where it was originally posted, of course. Which Amato is too highbrow for most yes. of the time. Uh, I have my standards. <laughs> that said, I think we're going to do another fanfiction.net fanfic like in a couple episodes from now. Anyway, we're providing a link there at bit.ly slash R-F-R-T-O-I-L-I, which is Toily, which is apparently the accepted abbreviation. And this fanfic has an accepted abbreviation because it is well known. This is our first fanfic that has its own TV Tropes page. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Did you find it? I discovered that when looking up, why did the author of The One I Love Is make Karu a girl? Because <laughs> I needed to know. I knew we were going to get there. I think it's just homophobia. Anyway, I, we'll, we can get that later. I, I mean, I think you're right, because I was thinking that also. I was like, what's the, what's the reason what here? And the reason is, what if Kaoru, but less gay? Yeah, because they literally have 
Kaoru and Shinji have a relationship in the source material. It's totally the same. Which, like, and it's the same relationship, except, ah, except Kaoru more has boobs. to be... Yes. Yeah, more boobs. Which seems like the opposite direction most fan material goes in. <laughs> yes, yes. For sure. I, mean, I was just... There was no explanation for it. It was quite shocking. I was like... You'd think that's the kind of thing that they would have addressed in the author notes at the end of that oh, chapter. That's why I like, here's what the I was author thinking. Note too. I was so confused. And I feel like if I had read this when I was, you know, the age I was at that time, like 11. 2000? Or, yeah. Maybe a little older by the time I'd read. Maybe a I should have read But yeah, a little older than 2000. Yeah. <laughs> but if I read this when I was like 13, like maybe a lot of people did. I would have been so confused because Ava already confused me, you know, at that point. So yeah, it's like you were missing something. So, mm-hmm. well, what is your re- relationship with Evangelion like? Fraught. Oh, that's an excellent question. Mm. Yeah, um, I watched like half of it when I was maybe. I guess I must have been fourteen by the time I actually watched it on VHS tape. And I felt like I just didn't get it. And then I didn't really watch all of it until I was maybe in college. But when I did, I was about 18. I watched all of it and I was blown away. And then I watched I watched it and I had very intense emotions. And then I had to take about a month and just think about my life. Then I watched it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with me, it was actually one of the first anime, not, well, one of the first serious anime I watched. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, because you, you gave it to me in seventh grade. Yeah, but I gave it to you like two weeks after somebody else gave it to me, so we're really on the same page here. Well, you didn't give me episode one, you gave me episode two. I'm sure I gave you whatever I had. In a mm. obscure file format, which was only opened yes. by one player, which was spacey and actually had the visuals and the sound sync off by a few milliseconds. Oh, no. It was probably the worst video files we ever tried to watch. Yes. I feel like I got given a couple other files in that format, and it was South Park. Oh, my God. But that was a lot easier to follow because, um, you know, I didn't have to read yeah, subtitles that were I, three I pixels high. I don't know if the sound needs to be synced up when you're watching South and Park. And watching the giant foot come down and the sound come half a second later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, are we talking about Monty Python now? No. <laughs> you know, the the one that's a satire about God, not the one that's, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Funny. Uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, Ava goes way back with us, and I feel like I was way into it because I was like, this is amazing. People are doing animation for crazy stuff here. But once I actually got through the whole series, like, I wasn't that invested in most of it. Like, I wasn't super no, into any characters, I, oh, I appreciated I more things than I was in love with, you know? I, yeah, I really didn't like the characters, my first watch through of Ava, mm-hmm. at all. Now that I understand um, that Ray is a victim of, like, incredible trauma, I relate a lot more to her character. Shinji I also relate to, but there are specific actions of his that... Or just like, oh man, this is just, it's just painful. I can't understand anyone liking Shinji as a character. Like, well, I understand. Wait, you mean like as a person? Because I, I kind of like Shinji as a character being a messed up 14 year old in a show. sympathetic to Shinji. Oh, well, I mean. But like also there's very little action that like, I think it's easy to feel pity for Shinji. I'm yeah. not sure if you can like, and to identify in your own way. But like, I, I think it's very hard to... Find him to be likable. You're I not. Guess is what I think. 
You're not supposed to like Shinji. No, um, you're not. Evangelion came out in sort of a as a response to the mecha animes that's been out since like the 70s, Gundam and whatnot, where the main character is a young boy who wants to get into a ro- robot, and he's super excited about it, and he loves doing it. And mm-hmm. from the first episode, Evangelion is about the reversal of all those tropes at one yes. time, which results in a character that is weak, uninterested, uh, selfish, doesn't want to help others, mm-hmm. and doesn't want to get yeah. into the robot. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the main yeah, thing. Is like, yeah, I feel pity and I feel sympathy because he's being manipulated by his father and so many bad things are happening to him. But ultimately, yeah, like he's just 14. Yeah. And there's nothing positive to say about his character. That's all I have to say. Like, maybe I don't hate him because he's just a child, and what can you expect? But you're right, Dom. Yeah. He's selfish. He doesn't understand these things. Like, And I say that with like the most like care I can of selfishness. Like, what is a 14-year-old going to do in this situation? Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that I would have done better, but it doesn't matter. The point is, is like, the absence, like, the... Just because the character's flaws might be in some way forgivable doesn't mean that he has any good qualities or is likable. Yes, See, that, he that's needs what I qualities. They're pretty harsh. I well, what are his <laughs> qualities that are good? Like I would say he, uh, he lacks qualities in general. <laughs> that's what I would say. Now, I'll get back to you on any positive qualities of Shinji. <laughs> yes. Because I'm gonna you. I'm gonna have to like think through that. But, uh, but uh, as a series, I um, liked Evangelion as a, as a kid in high school because it was mopey and mm-hmm. it challenged a lot of um, Christian ideas I, I grew up with, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I, was, kind of scared me and, and interested me at the time. Oh, yeah. And I dove back into it a couple years ago trying to recapture my youth, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and I really started to appreciate it again from a director's point of view. It's mm-hmm. yeah. beautifully, all the shots are beautifully composed. Oh, amazing. And the stuff he does with timing is is amazing. Mm. Like just for example, like the ele- elevator scene. Elevator scene stuck with me for yeah. sure. That's the one that sticks with you. But if you if you look at well, the report throughout the series, a lot of moments like that that just kind of draw attention. Sort of in that uh, Japanese uh, landscape style, where you just lets you mm-hmm. appreciate the scene and soak it in, and then it moves on. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you were talking about Evangelion as, you know, a reaction to main mecha show tropes Mm -hmm. but for the first like good 10 episodes of the series there's some other stuff being set up in that it kind of seems like it's going to be some sort of teenage love triangle deal yeah and like certainly certainly up through the like uh ddr angel you know like that's really strongly in place Mm -hmm. and what this fanfic is is a very long con what do you call it when you reverse an undermining of a trope? Like, it's a re reaffirmation of those tropes. And the author, like, mm-hmm. kind of describes it in those terms, not with that word, but, like, mm-hmm. what if it actually was, through mm-hmm. the whole thing, it's a, the sub- love triangle that it seems like they're kind Which, of setting up you know, early on? It's a subversion of a subversion. It's a su- seem a it's reversion. A reversion. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the right word. It, it honestly seems so blasphemous to me that someone would take all the criticisms and Heron and Ava of these, like, misogynistic sexual tropes, even though, you know, Hideaki Anno is obviously, like, playing into the fan service element, and mm-hmm. that's the only thing 
not the only thing I hate about Ava, but the main... I love Ava, but, like, I hate the fan service elements, and they're 14, for crying out loud. But it seems so blasphemous to turn this back into some sort of love triangle from, like, the places that it went and how trivial the love story was actually supposed to be in the source material. Right. Don't they actually... I was banging my head into it. Don't they actually play with that in the series itself, where they do the, um... Was it 26 or was it End of Ava? Uh, that's 26. Where they do yeah, the, the they do. whole high school trope. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all but adding a laugh track for sure. Yeah. They do play yeah. with that. Where that's, it's like, that is basically do. this fanfic. They're like, that's that's what we're not doing. Yeah, that's and yes, It's like, this that's is what, this is what your world could stressful. be if you, want, if you want it to be anything. Then you could just be happy, saccharine, whatever. Right. Yeah, but I feel like, you know, when that's happy, saccharine, you know, when that's played that way, is sort of like that contrast that dichotomy that makes you realize that those things aren't real. Like, it's almost pointing out the unreality of these happy saccharine ideas. This right. is actually, like, kind of a darker, more This is melodrama. It's not saccharine. Yeah. The, the, this is, like, a very melodramatic yeah. romance. Right. So and so it, it reads like it's supposed to be very serious, but it's very hard to take it seriously. <laughs> right. Because it is romance between teenagers and considering what's at stake in Ava beyond that, it's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, this fanfic takes place after episode, uh, before episode 15. Yes, it does. The last angel they fought was the computer virus angel that tried to take over the three mm-hmm. magi. The next one would have been the one... Well, wait a minute. It takes place before episode... Before 15. Fi- oh, oh, you're right. I, my notes are wrong here. Yeah. Um, and then and- the next episode would be the one where Shinji remarked that Ray looks like his mom. Mm-hmm. Oscar goes on a blind date. Ritsuko and Misato go to a wedding, and the, that'd be the one where Kaji talks to the cat lady about the Marduk Institute for the first time. Okay. So before Evangelion starts to take the depressing downturn. Yeah, and that's exactly right, where you right. need to start this before Ava starts getting depressing. Yeah. And let's jump into the nuts and bolts. Uh, it's long, it's got like 12 chapters, a prologue and an epilogue, and the prologue is, it might be the only time in the fanfic we have Ray's perspective, and it's Ray pretty yeah. much just being like, I've been exposed enough to culture that I see a culturally acceptable and economically prescribed way to express these things. So I'm going to buy him some Valentine's Day chocolates. Yeah. It sounds like youth, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. it's it's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't pulled from the fanfic at that point. It's a short prologue. Yeah. And so episode one is Valentine's Day. And Misato's planning a party. Ray gives chocolates to Shinji in the classroom. And Asuka gets all emotional, runs out of the classroom. And Hikari, in a extremely middle school move tells Shinji that Asuka yeah. has feelings for him. Um, and so, you know, Shinji apologizes to Asuka after that. that and that's like the start of our kind of love triangle setup. Middle school might be too mature mm-hmm. for that. It might be grade school. Um, yeah. I, middle school is right, though. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, rem- I remember a girl who liked me's friend telling me that yeah. that girl liked me in about seventh grade. So I think yeah, we're about I think on even point. in high school that happens. I'll, I'll trust your experience. But I yeah. think it happens. Well, it was the only time that happened. I think it happens happened. to adults. But anyway, um, I did think, I have, oh, darn, I completely lost what I was going to say. It's okay. Um, Moving on. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, we may as well pause with each chapter. Any comments about that? It's kind of just a really standard love triangle setup where it's like, yeah everyone almost ex- confessing feelings, except Ray, who's, like, forthreadened the best communicator in this fanfic, and so she just, like, actually says, like, hey, here's yeah. how I feel. This fic seems yeah. to be, like, what if Ray was an interesting character? <laughs> Ray's yeah. definitely my fave in this context, probably. 
I like I I actually think Ray is kind of a traditionally discredited character in the source material be just because she is she's been raised in such a strange way and she has so much trauma that it's hard for her to communicate. But I guess my question for y'all is did anyone buy this, like buy Ray's actions or feelings considering, you know, did you find it believable considering the source material and the sort of entity that she is and person? She is a person. I mean, I'm not going to just shoot the sort of person she is that she would do this sort of thing. I think it is a premise. Mm-hmm. And you have to establish that premise. It's like from the very beginning, which the author does. It's like my premise is Ray decides that she has yes. like romantic feelings for Shinji. Right. And I was willing to accept that premise. I don't think that is canon Ray. Yeah, like, well, actually, the reason I ask is because, you know, I think a lot of, like, viewers of Ava will ascribe, like, lack of emotion to Ray. I think really a lot of it is that she doesn't understand a lot of emotion. She displays, like, autistic qualities, and she also has a lot of trauma, and, if- like, she's been traumatized into not expressing emotion. So I kind of thought to myself, like, well, maybe you know, Ray could have feelings for Shinji, and I'm not saying that she does in the source material, but I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to make her seem like she couldn't have feelings in my mm-hmm. own mind. Like, I would guess I'm just wondering, you know, it's a seem believable in, in that sense. I think it's a spin on Ray that is necessary for what the author is going to mm-hmm. do, and you just kind of have to roll with it. Yeah, I, I do think it's a front <laughs> I, Yeah, eight, I tried. Yeah, I mean, see, you'd have to make. I certainly don't buy a lot of what she does. I can see. That's the word I was thinking of instead, yes, of, yes. instead of premise. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes. By that's the way, uh, back in the day, did, did anybody fall on any, any team waifu sides? Between Asuka and Rey? Yeah. God. What's... Uh, this, no. <laughs> it was no. No! <laughs> <laughs> like... That was a thing, though, yeah, among like our age bracket at that time. You have no idea how much that distresses me, <laughs> that people would see these characters. I mean, it distressed me, the fan service in it, like, these trauma victims trying to, like, recover in their own ways as, like, objects of sexual desire when, like, you know, every part of the fan service that happens in that is actually really uncomfortable to me. Like the part when Ray or uh, Shinji falls on Ray when oh, yeah. she's naked, and I mean, of course, that's uncomfortable because, you know, that's obvious. But also, like Ray's lack of expression and emotion to that, like, you know, even the author of this fan fiction brings up both of their elements of trauma, like when Asuka's trying to have sex with Shinji in mm-hmm. the tent. Like, I found that really triggering. Like, I was like, whoa, it was like this is, yeah, like there's so much. There's so much. I guess there's not much I can say other than, like, this This source material is about trauma. So, like, seeing it as about having positive, healthy sexual relationships, especially between teenagers, it seems just... That's why I was saying earlier, I think, that's what seems blasphemous to me. Mm. Like, that's not what Ava's about to me. It's just... It's not about having healthy relationships, because none of them do, and they, they can't. They're, they're recovering from their trauma. So following up from that, who is your waifu, Dom? Oh, I was Team Asuka, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, shut up. <laughs> I it hate starts. everyone in this room. I, 
I can't say I really did. That was part of what I was saying, where it's just like I didn't feel a strong attachment to most of the characters, right. except in kind of like a general, like, I like Ava sense. Okay. Looking back on it, I think a lot of people try to justify it in different ways, but I think what it might have actually been was which trauma most represents your trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's real, right? Yeah. For sure. But, um, um, and you got lots of choices. It's not just Shinji, Asuka, and Rei. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I will say that when I was at the book off in New York, I did get um, a little uh, a little capsule toy, and I was really crossing my fingers. It was Ava Toys from um, the what the reboot movies. You cannot um, reboot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> those ones. I was really hoping it was going to be Eye Patch Asuka, and it was. And so mm. I was. I have an Eye Patch Asuka capsule figure that sits proudly on my bookshelf now oh nice. yeah my I only thought she was dope in that I'm my only lie. piece of merchandise from back in the day that i i am very fond of is a little plush keychain of lilith i have one of those yes. too yes. it's yeah. hanging on the inside of my door at it's my got apartment little representations of legs down at the bottom like oh, oh it's the best mine doesn't it's just it's not like, like detailed to that level way. it's just like little things that are supposed to be legs i had a yeah. um What's that brand? Revutech, the the mecha yeah, yeah, yeah. with the that has the articulating joints. I had one of those mm-hmm. of Asuka's Ava, mm-hmm. and it was fun. Oh, I yeah, actually pose it. I did, did different martial arts poses with oh, it. Those were very posable. Yeah, yeah. The Ava design is dope. I actually oh, sure. recently learned that um, Hideaki Anno uh, worked on his start was doing a scene for Nausicaa, and it was the scene where the um, was the the warrior you know that yeah, had yeah. lived in the earth for a long time rises up and then melts and it, if you watch Nausicaa it'll be so obvious to you that that was Hideakiano because it's just like so gruesome and the movement is so like weirdly fluid but um yeah it's just uh the design and movement of the Avas is just it fucking incredible it's amazing yeah, now, it's this is all true but let's I want to drag us kicking and screaming oh, back oops. to the actual fanfic. No, at this let's time. talk about fun stuff. Yeah, let's, let's talk about <laughs> things that way. Well, at this point, I was still following the fanfic and invested in it and not skimming every word. Mm-hmm. So chapter two is like, there's this party that Misato throws. That's about and to drop off, I think. Every, every character, w- yeah, and after this. Every <laughs> character with a name shows up, basically. I guess, I, I mean, that's not true. Fuyutsuki and Gendo don't show up. Though, they should have invited Fuyutsuki. That is, mm-hmm. they're bad. Uh, he's chill. And, you know, people are giving each other shit about sexual attraction, and there's jokes in very poor taste about Misato kidding on children. Um, Yes. And... Just like the source material. Yes. Fortunately. That is, unfortunately, pretty on point. And most importantly for the plot, you know, Rei shows up, Rei and Shinji end up snuggling, Asuka explodes at them and calls Rei very unkind names, and they have a rather extended argument in front of everybody which Rei wins the moral high ground of by tops out by saying that she'd die for Shinji. And so unrealized. That's a little but It's such much. a high school thing to do, though, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. It certainly yeah. is. Um, I did think that in the inaccuracy of character portrayal here, I will say conversely, there was a complete accuracy to how high school romances work. I almost felt like maybe the author had gone... I don't know how old the author was at the time, but it sounded like maybe he had been a high school student who was going through something similar to Shinji at the time. Could be. Because it was it was very relatable, I felt, in that sense. Like, I had to look a long, 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 not going to tell you how long time back into my history to remember high school, 
But I did relate to those kind of basic romantic feelings mm-hmm. that they have. Or, I mean, they're intense, but they're basic. I can't lie. Asuka, as expected, demands that Shinji choose between the two of them. And as expected, he's like in no way prepared for that in any way, shape, or form. And it's like, uh, doesn't say anything. And she storms out. And after that, Shinji ends up, like, hanging out with Rei, walks her home or something. Mm -hmm. And she proposes sex at this point. And it's the first of the many times when 14-year-olds will almost have sex in this fanfic. Eh. Um, We don't need to dwell on it. But she's, like, very straightforward about it. He freaks out and basically flees. And he talks to Misato, and she's like, what if you set this up as a wacky romantic comedy? (laughs) Those are not the words she uses. (laughs) But she's like, you should totally date both, both people. Both of them. But it's and, like, have you seen any sitcom? Let, let me sell you on this idea, right? <laughs> right. Well, one thing that I... And everybody agrees with that. Well, one thing I do like about that is, like, Shinji is like, I want a second opinion. I'm going to talk to Kaji. And she's like, I know what Kaji's going to say. And Kaji's like, you should totally date both of them. You should totally date both of them. Which I think these are adults, like... I mean, that's he probably, needs different adults in his life. Children, they're giving... 14-year-old children advice, and they're like, you should date both girls at the same time and not tell either of them yes, that you're yeah. doing this. Is this key. Because I'm, that's what's totally going to work out and totally isn't unfair to anybody. I'm kind of guessing this is more or less in character for Kaji, but it, mm. it just made me kind of start checking out emotionally, mentally. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was pretty much that point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually, I will say, if I can, the part that made me... It was until chapter 5, mm-hmm. but like... I started taking notes, or chapter four, I started taking notes exactly at this point because um, I couldn't believe that Shinji said what to himself, or actually, mm-hmm. yeah, he says, no, it's, I think it's when Asuka finds out that they're, that they're being dated simultaneously. Shinji's mm-hmm. like justified. Yeah, but, but like, he starts dating I, both of them. I wish it wasn't necessary, but it is. And I'm like, on what planet <laughs> is that necessary? Yeah. Look, he went to two adults and they both agreed. That means that, that it must be on the other side. You must date two girls at the same time, no matter how bad they might feel. Yes. And that's what I was like. Acceptable damages. Yeah. Shinji decides it's best for, for everybody involved if he dates everyone at once. Let's Ray know about it. Doesn't let Asuka know about it, mm-hmm. which I thought was an odd choice. Well, Ray, Ray guesses, guessed right up front. Yeah, and <laughs> when Asuka finally figures it out, he tells her. Yeah, I mean, right. he wasn't going to tell but either of them he wasn't until it tell came either up. Of them. But yes, I. Mm. So what a horrible thing so he, to do. He's dating both of them simultaneously. Please, no one think that this is the only option available to you. I wish I didn't have to date two girls at the same time, but it's necessary. No. I'm sorry, if you're 14 and you're listening, don't ever do that. It's a terrible idea, and you're a piece of shit for even thinking of it. If, if like, if this person was a real person, what would you actually suggest they really do? Like, not date anybody? Um, well, personally for me, they're 14, so yeah. I would say don't date anybody. Well, but, but... My other thing is that this I'm, is... Not, I'm not monogamous in my relationships. And so I think that is also an option, but I understand why in the 90s for these very, uh, let's say, also homophobic, but, you know, he is homophobic person or these ideas were very limited at the time. I, I think monogamy is limited, but I also think that, no, you shouldn't date two people at the same time if it's going to hurt both of those people. If nobody else is in on it at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you just, you shouldn't lie. Yeah. You need to get their consent. If they're both willing to date you at the same time, that's a different story. So, like, more realistically, it's just like, it's lying. talks to both of them, 
Yes. Nobody's into it. Everybody grows up. Exactly. <laughs> and well, for some reason, he needs to decide which one's better and not. Yeah, he keeps on saying that, like, better. Yeah. And why can't he just, like, I don't know, be single or, I don't know, just pick one and if it's the wrong choice, whatever. Or maybe, like, the stakes are very high because the person he chooses this is, is how... the person he is going to marry immediately because out of high school 14. and have a baby with. He is... That's... That's the juncture of your life you're at at 14, Tori. Don't you remember? I, I didn't get, oh, get to the end of the fic. Is, is that what happens? Absolutely. Of course that's yeah. what happens. Oh, God's name. Like, yeah, that actually is what How could that does. not be what happens? It's fucking weird. He has to find the love of his life. At 14. Which, by the way, personally. In maximum trauma circumstances. Yeah. I don't believe that there is one love of your life, but it's okay. That's also if my problem with um, Hotel Transylvania. Um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's that. okay. If Our you, only if problem you with Hotel Transylvania. To find that person well, at it had, fourteen. Um, uh, it had samurai Fourteen-year-olds don't even know what love is. Well, they don't they don't know what real trials are? What real relationships are? Well, maybe you even build went through love, such inviting, you know, such, such yes. exciting events like these people did in this fanfic. Mm. I assume I didn't read most of it. <laughs> Let's get back to those exciting events. Oh, yeah. Chapter three, we can describe really quickly. Mm. It's Shinji asking Ray out. Misato yeah. gets Gendo to play, pay the pilot's salaries. Yeah, were, were they? Oh, yeah, that was funny. They weren't paid before in the series, right? It was never mentioned that they were, I believe. Right. No, but it makes sense. She's just like, look, yeah. you need to give him some money. I guess I just and assumed they had some sort of military stipend or something. You would think. That's basically yeah. what they're describing here. Um, and it was, what, like $60,000 a year or something. Something that, this given though, for the assumed budget that Nerve has but, is, like, yeah. not a big deal. Right. Yeah, it, that's not a very big salary. But also, that was in 1999, so maybe it meant more. Anyway, my point is is that they put their lives on the line, like, once yeah. every couple weeks. Well, that's like, what Misato says. They probably yeah. get paid more. More oh, than $60,000 a year, but... The, the Shinji Ray date is dinner at a romantic movie because he's a 14-year-old and he has no idea, like, of anything else that could possibly... Well, that was Kaji's suggestion. Oh, was right? it? Okay, yes. well, yes. He, yes. Kaji's also 14 years old and has yes. no idea. Pretty much, that's pretty <laughs> much yes. accurate. Yeah, where they have a go to a French restaurant and they have the traditionally French extreme large portions uh-huh. of food, mm-hmm. and they see not just a movie but a romantic movie, and, and they make out a little. Yeah, and, and that and one theater that's in Evangelion, so that's the only theater in the universe. Yes, it has to be yeah. the same theater that Shinji was sitting in that time he ran away in episode three. Yes. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, but then they clarified that he has run it. He he ran away to it many more times when he was mm. sad. I thought, so. I thought that was in Tokyo too, though. No, uh, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, at the end of this chapter, Shinji is super into Ray, and like to a point where I was like, "Wait, how is the author continuing to write this?" Because he's like, "Oh, I'm like yeah. me and Ray are getting along great, and like I've made my decision, yeah. but the I'm re- still going to date Oscar." The rest of the fanfic is the one I love is Ray. Story. <laughs> I would have um, been more happy that's with that. Kind of funny. That would have been fun. Yeah. Now that I think about Tom, it, Tommy, you may not know, but just kidding. I fixed it. I'm not going to spoil it for you. <laughs> so chapter four is a chapter where a lot happens with. Shinji and Asuka, and it's kind of like, I don't know how far into the blow-by-blow blow I want to get, but it's the Asuka date. They go up yeah. into the mountain swimming. Yes. Which and is, also, you know, which is some weird <sighs> variation in date operational, you know, approach there for Shinji. Like, that's a very different kind of date there. Sort of like a terrace house date, I think. Well, but that was another Kaji <laughs> how <about> suggestion. Costco? <laughs> because Kaji like yeah. said that Shinji... How about Costco as a group? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, Kaji said that Shinji had to do something to, like, prove that... Something different for Asuka that was different from the norm and to prove that he was adventurous. And by the way, at this point, Mm -hmm. is when I started to be like, Shinji is not acting like Shinji, and I don't know where this is coming from, and everyone's pointing it out. 
Yeah. Asuka's pointing at us, like, she even says, like, where's my normal Shinji? Like, he's pretty I, out of character. He's in yes. a different And character. no one has an explanation for it except that he decided to be brave. Which, by the way, the reason that he's not brave is because he's suffered so much friggin' trauma. So that's not how that works. <laughs> I would like to clarify. Well, but, they're up in the mountains. They anyway, go swimming. Yeah. Yeah. They go swimming. We, we're on chapter four. There's 12 chapters. Yeah, yeah they. <laughs> She dares him into kissing her. They make out. They have a fight. They get stuck in the mountains overnight. They snuggle for warmth. They talk a lot. And Kaji shows up the next morning because they had been, yeah. like, stuck in the mountains also, calling for like, help. And Shinji gets very upset over the fact that his dad told their men in black security guards to not intervene in their date unless necessary. Which yeah. seems like the kind of thing that I, as a 14-year-old, would want my... Except that they really... He was calling for help. Okay, that's true. That's, that's true. Very, and they were, like, freezing and hungry. Well, Kaji... I also will... That's true. Yeah. yeah. Kaji, I mean, you know... He's literally calling for help, and they were freezing and starving. So. I guess that's true. Fair enough. But he gets really <laughs> upset when Kaji suggests that the reason Gendo did this was because he wanted... He wanted yes. uh, Shinji to hook up with Asuka and leave Rei alone. So, uh... Which, you know, that sounds like a Gendo move. Yeah. And so, number five, chapter five, the more things change, the more they stay the mm -hmm. same. Shinji up and up confronts Gendo, because we're really yeah, off the rails yeah. with Shinji here. <laughs> yeah, well, can I just, like, start before he confronts Gendo? Sure. I just want to point out, because this is what I do, and this is what I have to do. Him forcing Asuka to wear his shirt was really fucked up. He physically oh, forced yeah. her to wear his shirt because, because she refused because she was upset with him. And that is her right and her choice and her body. He was worried she was going to be cold or freeze or get sick. And so he literally physically forced his shirt onto her body. I consider that to be assault. And I am mad at the author for including that because I found it extremely triggering. Anyway, moving on. Shinji confronts Gendo. You're quite right. I think I blocked that out because now that you mention it, I'm like, oh, yeah. That's I'm sorry. I just, I knew that I couldn't go through this chapter without saying that. No, call him out. Like, I there's going to be more that. coming. I'm sorry. And I understand that we all have our reasons for doing these things and we may not understand. I'm not trying to put the author on fire here or, like, set them up on a cross and burn them at the stake. I'm just saying, don't do that. It's not okay. Mm -hmm. End of story. <laughs> Well, actually, it's like chapter five. <laughs> <laughs> chapter four. Right. We're just getting into End five. End of my story. Moving on with, uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah, the 17 chapters. Shinji... <laughs> Shinji confronts Gendo and tells him not to meddle in his life again. Yeah, that was... threatens not to pilot, and Gendo's like, you can't not pilot, everybody's going to die. <laughs> and Shinji has a whole Patrick Henry moment. He's like, give me liberty or give me death. And I'm like, <laughs> seriously, Shinji? Like, Also, this is I like know, the what? fifth time... He's used as threat for something. It has no value anymore. Right? Yeah, no. I mean, Gendo, I'm not sure how seriously Gendo's taking him, but Gendo's like, fine, whatever. And the other demand that Shinji's making is like, uh, Ray's living in a craft heap, she has to live somewhere better. And Gendo acts on that. Ray moves in next to Misato, which I guess is better than her current living situations. Yeah. Um, she moves in next door. You know, she's in a new place. She sneaks into Shinji's room and shares a bed with him that night. And... I'm not sure if I have anything to say about that. It's just part of this mm -hmm. back and forth. There's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff happening. I feel like this is when I, my eyes started to glaze over, and I was just glossing, and every so it was just Ray and Asuka yeah, just I know. fighting with each other, fighting over Shinji. Well, Shinji later on, they're not fighting so much, but it's still like a competition. Yeah, just, mm. But also in this chapter, in part two, something else starts happening, which is that this fanfic jumps back onto the Evangelion tracks, 
and starts following the yes, plot. Yes, that was weird. Which is weird. It's not weird because things start happening that happened chronically in Ava. It's that they tend to go pretty much the same way. Just, and so, just with the fact that they're hooking that, up the whole time. Except, except people that, are hooking up. Yeah, people are hooking up and Kyra's a girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, in this chapter specifically, it's Leliel, the 12th angel, and it just plays out the same way. What, yeah. what, what angel is that? I don't even care. Um, I just gloss so hard over that. My it like happens the same way. This is what, episode like 15 or something? 16? Right. Yeah. Uh, the fight just happens. Like, none of... The whole setup hasn't changed any way that that goes. So that's all I have to say about it. It's kind of mm-hmm. odd that it's so the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and then six, we're back to weird, problematic mountain camping trips because mm-hmm. Ray and Asuka have figured out what's going on. Instead of being like, well, fuck Shinji, we're done with that. Um, they agree to they timeshare him three times a week without <laughs> consulting him. Right, yeah. That That's like a... Nutty. I don't know. So on Oscar's for some story, reason, it just keeps happening, even though yeah. Shinji never consented to it. And I guess this is just how we live now. Asuka sets up this like camping trip where she and Hikari will go camping, and Shinji and Toji will go camping. So she's trying to hick- to hook up Hikari and Toji. Mm-hmm. Once more, at least I can say, very middle school move. Uh, maybe not mm. the, maybe not the camping independently part, but the like. Right. Yes, if I just engineer this, then I can manipulate my friends into confessing their yes. attraction for each other. Yes. And yes, step yeah. three profit. <laughs> uh, and anyway, it works perfectly as planned for Hikari and Toji, and there are a couple after this. But think, there's also I think like, like there's this feeling of everybody just wanting Toji and Hikari to be an actual couple at some point. Yeah, well, it, everybody meaning every Ava a... fan or every character in Evangelion, more or less. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it was. Yes. It was yeah. so, it was like so the, strong in this fiction too. Like it just kept going on. Everyone's so invested in that relationship, but there was never really any like character development or drama in that relationship. Just like yeah. main characters kept talking. Yeah. about it was how just they should be together. Indulgent so, for the author. It's like I want to yeah. get this done. Let's get it done. Yeah. But this is also where like Oscar's brought beer and she basically tries to do Shinji more or less, and he rebuffs her. Um, and that's, that was, like, the one you were yeah. saying was really tough to read. And it is yeah, because, like... it was really triggering. The places Asuka's coming from there are understandable, also. The where way like, that... Oh, sorry. Go oh, on. no, go on. It's just the way that Shinji... Because the entire story, I don't know if we mentioned this before, is told from Shinji's perspective in the first person. Yes. And he describes the blankness of her expression mm-hmm. and, like, kind of, like, her automatic actions as she, like, undresses... And tries to seduce him, and I just I feel so strongly like, a connection with that through sexual trauma that like those acts become automatic because you dissociate, you divorce yourself from it, and Shunji's response is to become upset because he thinks that it means Asuka is doing it because she's trying to win in her own mind because of her insecurities. Which may be true. I think that's right? not untrue. Yeah, it's not untrue, but he also fails to understand that, like, her performing this in an automatic sense, you know, the way that she does this act, like this extremely intimate and like potentially very traumatizing thing, especially for someone as young as her, you know, is severely affecting to her emotionally, and like he places a lot on her motives. Mm-hmm that are accusatory towards her based on her lack of, uh, I guess, expression. And I think the weirdest part is that he keeps comparing her blank expression to Ray's typical blank expression, and yet he's never said anything that, like, 
is unforgiving about Ray for having her blankness of expression. And I think I saw that mirror of trauma in Asuka. And I know the author, like, maybe hasn't parsed this in, like, that complete degree, but does come back to address that, you know, Asuka's motives weren't just to win. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I felt like this, yeah, like, the strange sense of, like, Asuka acting out of trauma. Like, and we know that, you know, in her childhood, she was severely abused. So, like, I think that's a huge part of this scene. Mm-hmm. It's interesting seeing authors try to represent the traumatized characters, mm-hmm. like in Ava specifically, because like, mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing with them, it's kind of hard and you have to make some calls, but like, I feel like surprisingly people seem to often get the general gist. I guess that's, you know, Ava spends a lot of time kind of exploring characters' trauma. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, that is a big part of it. And now, this author also, like, seems to notice that. I don't know if they really do much with it other than represent a continuation of that trauma. I feel like they don't. Oh, they weren't trying to do any more than that. No, yeah, no. They don't. They don't really try to explain the trauma, which I mean, maybe they felt like that was beyond their reach, which I think is fair. Uh, yeah, I I think that's probably it. I don't think, I think they were reasonable. going there. Yeah. like that yeah. wasn't their interest. I know, but they understood that the characters were traumatized, and right. you can see that in the representations of those characters and their behaviors, which is really interesting. I don't know if I'm reaching or not, but it seems like a lot of Evangelion fan fiction kind of tries to side skirt most of these issues, kind of write it out. Mm-hmm. And maybe this one stuck with people because it tried to be faithful to the trauma. It, it did, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it goes on for way too long, in my opinion, but you're right that, like, oh. what it's, it's... It's approach, it's, like, trying to stay faithful to, like, the characters I mean, in, in some ways. I, I remember reading this back, uh, must have been a couple years after it came out, mm-hmm. I guess, where I was kind of shocked and surprised, but kind of liked the, it, it kept the, the traumatic tone in it, and that resonated mm-hmm. in, in me as a 14-year-old. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's what I'm saying, is that, like, yeah, like, the, the depictions of trauma, like, the reactions are responses to trauma, like, that dissociation that Oscar portrays, and that Ray portrays, it's so vividly and completely explored. Like, those were very real. It's just, like, beyond that, you kind of wonder if the author has a complete understanding of what that means or if they're just able to depict those reactions because nothing much comes from that. You know, you see trauma in action, but you don't see the climax or, like, the uh, the reveal that happens when the character says, like, this behavior came from the source. And that's a huge part of what Ava is, is that you don't really see the sources. You see them yeah. happen kind of under the surface of everything. Where, where they address them, then immediately try to rebury it again. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Well, this author is not interested in exploring those sources, but as of this chapter, here's something they are interested in doing, which is referencing other anime. Um, mm. They've got a classmate, Kuno Minami, who is clearly the daughter of Nabiki and Tatewaki Kuno from Ranma, who mm-hmm. is running the, like, um, what is it, like a betting pool about who Shinji's going to end up with? Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's a little subtle. Like, I got that because I'm a fan fiction nerd and I know exactly what you were doing there. But then Hotaru Tomoe is just racist. Yeah, that like, was fucking <laughs> weird. Like, like, okay, that, that, that was not lie. subtle. Every time I hear the name Otaru, I literally think 
Hotaru Tomoe. But this was Hotaru but Tomoe. Then they said her last name, and I was like, oh no, it really is. It's just flat like, out Sailor Saturn makes friends with Rey. And, Which is great because they're such similar personalities. But, but, yeah. like, but it run really false to me because I was like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I know. The, Ho- I know. the Hotaru friend needs to be a Genki girl. Like, you know, she hooks up with Chibi because yeah, she's drawn to that, that energy know, and exuberance. But no, and I, I It's like know. Hotaru and Rei, I guess. I kind like, of disagree with you on that, though, because they're similar, you know? They're similar, like, they've survived, like, almost similar traumas, too, with their fathers. Like, their fathers being kind of okay. evil. And, and that, in, in the right circumstances, like, both of them can destroy the world. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, they're, like, children that they have this, like, incredible weight placed on them. They both, they both seem the same. And I think, like, yeah, like, Hutaru's relationship with Chibi Yusa works so well because, like, opposites attract and everything. And, like, everyone ships them together. And that's cute. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that Hotaru would make friends with someone who shares her experience. Okay, I should not pigeonhole Hotaru as only having saying, one friend type. You are right. right. I'm just saying, like, I liked that <laughs> she made friends with someone who shared her experience because that's not how it was portrayed in the source material. And I think that making friends with someone who shares your experience is an important thing to So do. then, obviously, next, the rest of the Sailor Senshi are introduced and it switches over to a right. Sailor Moon fan. Face. Well, I am deeply disappointed that the climax, the end of Ava, did not have Sailor Saturn appear and resolve the situation with a Death Reborn revolution, or even just a Silent Slave surprise oh would have stopped instrumentality. Sure, Thank you. Ray Earth Wait, like but didn't of... they not do instrumentality in the end? Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, but so... But we'll get there. Um, I just want to throw that out. Also, in Chapter 6... They do the episode 17, 18 thing, Toji gets maimed. Unlike the anime, he's fine. Like, he's conscious. Yeah, he got shot ten times, but he survived <laughs> somehow. Wait, what? Toji? Oh, not Toji, sorry. No, you're, you're, you're I thought you were saying Kaji. Toji just, like, Toji, loses some limbs. Yeah, Toji, Toji, this one they made it more severe. He lost an arm and a leg. Isn't it, is it just a leg or it's something? It's an arm in the and a leg. No, it, I mean in the original Oh, in anime. the original? It might have been an arm and a leg. It might have been an arm and a leg. I uh, thought that it was at least a leg. It was at least a leg for I sure. Thought, yeah, I thought it was just a leg. But, but you don't you don't get to follow up on him. In this, he's like yeah. well enough that Shinji goes and talks to him afterward. But despite having some resolution with Toji and being able to talk to Toji and Toji being like, "Wasn't your fault? It's fine." He still runs away in the exact same way as he does in nineteen and twenty. Mm-hmm. He's still emotionally devastated despite conversation with Toji, despite conversation with the girls. He still beats Kaji in a watermelon patch. He still returns to save the day. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he's still absorbed into the Ava. Why? Why are we now, hitting all the same beats? I don't is this, know. Is this because... It was a lot. The author just wanted the series redone with their few changes they had in mind? or because It started to feel that way. Started, well, or because they couldn't think of what to do next and just yeah, decided to follow the formula. It's just strange. Like, doesn't it seem boring to retell the same story in your own words? I was bored. It? <laughs> doesn't it? I was bored, too. But I skimmed the entire thing. Like I was saying earlier... I read each chapter after chapter five in about three minutes each. Mm-hmm. Uh, skimming each thing in about each chapter in about three minutes, even though each chapter is, you know, I don't know. It was well, about like ten minutes to read each chapter before. I skimmed them so quickly, and yet I didn't miss a thing. Well, yeah, this is the point where our descriptions of these chapters go very short because I can just refer yes. you to the episodes. Right. Like, okay, after all that stuff. You know, Shinji gets better and he goes on a date with both girls. But yeah. who cares? At the same that time? Cares. At the same <laughs> restaurant? Is it? I forget. That's all I wrote in the description. I didn't care enough. Um, maybe oh both God. of them, yeah. 
has to remember which coat he's wearing with which girl. <laughs> if only he had oh, tears. Gonna be shenanigans. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, episode eight is the episode twenty-one content. Kaji's shot. Misato's devastated. Misato and Shinji talk about it. And they're like, "Let's hide this from Asuka." Mm-hmm. It's an extremely short chapter. Now, up until now, we haven't been mentioning the outtakes at the end because they're usually dumb and not funny. Oh, the omake. Yeah. The omake. Oh, yeah, the outtakes yeah. are something different. The outtakes yeah. are scenes that the author deleted in a moment of edited clarity. <laughs> 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 I wish they'd had more. The, the omake no, are just like, you know, slight variations on scenes they already did. And most of the time, they're pretty dumb. Sometimes they're kind of like... Uh, transphobic or gayphobic or yeah. whatever Homopho- homophobic there's a word really for that funny. or just some of them are really cute and really funny I don't want to be too hard on the author but there were some really transmisogynistic ones like uh, yeah I'm mentioning this now because my favorite omake was for this chapter yeah. where Kaji is shot he gets up because he had like a bulletproof vest and he's like oh my god I escaped that assassination attempt and then you know Misato comes up and shoots him that for being a, a terrible boyfriend <laughs> yeah. and he, he, he you know, dusts himself off and like his legs are creaking and like Shinji shoots him for I forget why. Yeah. Shinji has reasons, whatever. Yeah, everybody has reasons. And, you know, he staggers away from that and Pen Pen shoots him. <laughs> Which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. That was a good one. That, that was my yeah. favorite one. Yeah, also, as a random really tangent, what, what was the point of Pen Pen in Evangelion? Point? Yes. As in why? I, I, I don't get Comic relief. But not even. Like, maybe one no. or two episodes? Yeah. But then they just write him out of the series after that. Yep. Well, I think initially it was comic relief because the series started on a light note. Mm-hmm. I don't think Hideaki Anno had, like, a clear vision. He didn't think that far ahead. Yeah, I, that's really what I think. Or, or the or, tone very much changed. Or was it a subversion of the cute animal mascot trope? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, oh. let's be generous and say that. <laughs> I mean, you can always say that these are deconstructions of the tropes here. But really, like, Hideaki Anno was playing on a lot of ideas that he had that involved, like, exploring character and plot-driven elements of common anime genres, which is great, and I think he did a good job. I didn't have a lot of but notes yeah, for this one. I don't think that he has, like, a consistency, necessarily. The, the only note I, I have that's important is, why is Pen Pen? Pen Pen? I, I think funny. the best way in which Pen Pen is a subversion is that he's not particularly cute in any way. Mm. How mm. dare you? <laughs> I can see it going either way. No, uh, I he's just a penguin. Like, not I even think, a cute penguin. I do think comic relief was the purpose. And yes, <laughs> I also think Hideaki Ono thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to have this? So in um, several interviews, Hideaki Ono pointed out that um, he was asked about his use of Christian imagery, such as the crosses and the explosions. And uh, apparently his justification was that he was just fascinated by the ideas of Christianity and the imagery of Christianity. And so his usage didn't necessarily have a sociological bent, but rather his fascination in the images was more pertinent to him. And I I think that that rings true considering, you know, his use of it, like the images in the animation and how beautiful they become in that sense. So like in his cultural context, I'm sure he's picked up the ideas of Christianity, but you know he uses the imagery as kind of an outsider in that way, just to use the image as he studied it, the Western idea of Christianity, to use those images. And the effect was um, kind of haunting, actually. Yes. To someone who was used to it. Yes, yes. I, I think mm-hmm. that, like, as Westerners, you know, our perspective is a little different. 
as Western, because we're indoctrinated with Christian dogma. And in Japan, you know, there's a large number of Christian people as well. It's a huge religion there as well. But, you know, we... Yeah. Less than 1% of the population. It's less than 1%? Yeah. Yeah, like, not many people are religious, period, and even fewer number of those are Christians. Okay, I actually thought that there were a larger number of Christians there, but... There are compared to, like, Jewish people. Yeah, I guess that's... That's a good point. Okay, well then, I guess my main point is that, like, the imagery being used, you know, is being used from a very, like, outsider perspective, but in a way that, like, it was impactful to him, and therefore he translated into this media without necessarily like the dogmatic elements we would apply to it mm-hmm. here from our Western perspective. Now let's try to wrap this up because we're running long. Luckily the next next few chapters are easy to talk about. Chapter 9 is just episode 22. Hmm. Chapter 10 is just episode 23, oh. except as we said before, Karu presents as male, as female. Mm-hmm. That's really about it. Other than that, everything yeah. happens the same way. I mean, I guess Karu just shows up briefly in that one, because chapter 11 is the Karu episode. Yeah. Um, and things just still keep happening the same way they did. The it's same just... way they did, except for some reason, it's heterosexual. Now, in some of the comments, apparently in an original draft, Shinji and Karu did have sex in his original chapter 11, and readers, like, slut-shamed her for it. It's There's all kinds of weird issues her, at play here. Unquote. I mean... <laughs> Kaoru, the angel manifesting temporarily yes. as a human, yes. Whatever. Also, yeah, let's not like disregard the fact that Kaoru doesn't really have a gender, but the author was so afraid of penises that they yes. couldn't possibly imply any gayness in this relationship. So, And then chapter 12 is titled End of Evangelion, and it's just End of Evangelion, except Kaji's not dead, and like he and his crew take over that they're magi around the world mm-hmm. where they're occupied attacking nerves ones and that stops a few of the angels and Ray does not have to go big but she does like remember her yes. stuff um, which I guess is implied in the original end of Ava 2 through all this has her kind of has Shinji made a choice between no. the two he has not he still just waffles the whole time not well it, it is Shinji so <laughs> yes Touché. but no this is the new boulder more <clears throat> You courageous know, courageous Shinji who stands up to his father and masculine forces Asuka to put a shirt Actually, on no okay no tendencies now at the end of yeah. 12 Shinji yeah. does commit to Asuka because he's like well I there's passion there and Rei is kind of like more a clone of my mom maybe yeah I mean, that was the main decisive factor wasn't <laughs> it but yes it's more explicit in this that Shinji discovers that Asuka's a somehow clone of his mother and uh, that's a turnoff. Yeah, huge turnoff. That's fair. I think yeah. fair. <laughs> and then there's an epilogue, which is four years later, which means that Shinji and Asuka have reached the bare minimum sort of socially acceptable age to get married, and they're 16? getting married. Oh. Uh, 18. Oh, American. Okay. No, no, I mean... <laughs> but it was so weird because they were still talking about Toji's recovery and his sister's recovery. Yeah. And it's like, this should be four years later, right? Like, well, I know Toji, Toji's doing fine. Like, he and Hikari open a restaurant and stuff, right? I guess he's just got yeah, but maybe some chronic pain it. issues or something. Yeah, I don't do, know. do you think they had to take out a loan? Do you think it cost an arm and a leg? Uh, oh, God. Dom. I'll see myself out. You should. Now, Nerve reforms and they have <laughs> access to a couple of the mass production Avas, which makes this almost exactly the setup 
for a fanfic that we read when we were preparing for this podcast, hers. You're saying this is a hers sequel? Oh, yeah. It's essentially a hers prequel, that. except for that, like, uh, new character who we hated in hers, who is not present here. I so, but, like, about it's that. basically the same deal. Oh, my God. And there's a few differences. Ray's out doing stuff. She's, like, earned multiple degrees. I guess she's, like, got money, and, like, she has a lot of interests, so she's just off exploring a lot of interests. Um, Kensuke and... Kotaru are romantically linked, which is sure, the only time I'm going to say that ever. Um, <laughs> Misato, God. Misato has Kaji's child from the last time they had sex before he presumably died, and I think he hasn't shown up before because he's a terrible Wait, person. Really? Does, does um, Misato not yeah, get oh, shot in this one? Ka- Misato, uh, Misato gets shot, but she gets better. She Yeah, she escapes through the top of the elevator before it explodes yeah. or something. I was like, it just works out better. No. Yeah, everything just works out better. Yeah, well, like, Third Impact doesn't have an instrumentality, doesn't happen. Yeah, there's an attempted Every, assassination like an at axe, this wedding. Yeah, Kaji gets shot ten times, but somehow survives. <laughs> yeah, just everything just times. works out. You just wish he actually got shot ten times. No, that says it. In the, is that what it says? In the fanfic, it says he got shot ten times, and he still survived. That is called plot armor. Yeah. And that's the fanfic, basically. Now, before we wrap things up, I put a lot of effort into taking some notes that I want to share with you. <laughs> and this is every time the phrase run away is applied to Shinji in the fanfic. Um, this might take a while. Are you ready? Okay. <clears throat> Chapter one. My thoughts were a mess. I got tired of trying not to run away from reality and drifted to sleep. Chapter two. But the truth was, I was only looking for a reason to leave the apartment, to run away from the sobbing I could hear through Asuka's door. Chapter 3. The Tokyo 3 theater was much like I remembered. I had come here once after the fourth angel battle. At the time, I had been quite confused and only wanted to run away. Chapter 4. Then a grin appeared on her, Asuka's face. Hey Shinji, want to kiss me? What? I had to fight the urge to run away. Also chapter 4. Um, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to help her, but I didn't know how. I wanted to apologize, but I didn't dare talk. So I did the only thing I could think of. I sat down against the tree. I would wait. At least I had not run away. Later on, uh, still chapter four, Kaji smiled. You've grown up, Hikari Shinji. No, I'm still a kid. I've decided not to run away anymore. Chapter five, in Misato's report. Um, Even with tightened surveillance around the apartment, I'm afraid he may run away again. Chapter six, um, Asuka's trying to seduce him. Part of my mind commanded me to close my eyes and run away, but another part was just too fascinated to do anything else but stare. So that's what I did. Chapter seven. Um, the, chapter seven, the title is A Man's Choice slash I Won't Run Away Anymore. So there's that. Also, he's going to the infirmary to visit T- Toji. I watched as the numbers on the door scrolled by with each step I took. Part of me wished simply to run away. Talking to Toji. Shinji, come here to apologize before running away. Later on, I guess part of me needed to take the blame because it was the only reason that could justify my decision to run away. And then go men with a little asterisk that shows that he was going to explain what go men meant. Right. This was all I managed to say before running away. In his own mind, we're in the same chapter here still, mm-hmm. if you run away from reality, then you will lose them forever. And then to Misato, I'll never run away again, Misato. Chapter 8, um, in reference to whether Kaji is dead, and he's trying to get Misato to tell him, if you don't tell me, I just... Oh yeah, I can't, I can't run away from the truth, not forever. That's the one. Chapter 9, uh, I almost felt like running away as I saw the look of anger in her eyes. Chapter 10, um, I knew better than anyone else how tempting it must have been for her, Misato, to try to run away from reality. 
finding out that his mom is inside Unit 1. So you understand now, Shinji. This is what you've been running away all your life. I think that's a mistake. Chapter 11. And now Asuka had left me as well. In the end, I had stood my ground and she had been the one to run away. I'm not sure that counts. <laughs> um, and then talking to Karu. Female Karu. I wondered if running away could... Oh, I'm just going to say I wondered if running away could get me out of this. Chapter 12. Zero references to running away. Oh. Epilogue. The first line is, I mustn't run away. I mustn't run away. <laughs> but that's just a joke because it's his wedding. Oh, God, they couldn't minute. hold it yeah. in that long, though. The irony here is that at the end of chapter two, the author acknowledges that I mustn't run away is a cliche in Aetha fanfic, and it's like, oh, at least I didn't use that one. Wow. Instead, he used it in uh, 21 other places. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for counting. <laughs> we do appreciate it. Do you? I just can't believe he gets her pregnant. Hey, what are the stats on uh, using the phrase become one with? I don't know, but there's got to be at least oh, five. Wait. It's in Ava. It's in the source yeah. material. It's in the source material, and it's also in the four chapters that I read about five times each chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I really, truly understand that. And a, a part of me wants to attribute it to the author trying to kind of idealize the source material as, like, I don't know, something maybe sexually pure to them, which is kind of antithetical to me, considering that I think that all the sex in the source material is really messed up, and all the sexual attraction is really messed up, and really confused, and fraught. But I will say that also I think the author really idealizes the source material and also might be kind of young hmm. and not really understanding of sex maybe in its entirety well I, I'm not 100% sure on that but it just it seemed very like they're very naive attitudes about sex apparently they like the source material enough to uh, reproduce it word for word mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah kind of so and, and in that sense like especially if you're willing to reproduce Ava as like an idealized form of sexuality, I think you must not really understand sex. Like, I kind of think the author's a virgin. Not gonna lie. (laughs) At least at the time that they wrote it. Probably not anymore. (laughs) That's outside... Outside our realm of speculation, I think. Mm -hmm. I I don't care either way. (laughs) Yeah, I certainly don't care, but I also think, like, they seem to have a very strange attitude or either that or they're trying to really really apply the lens of the original media to their own fiction which is also entirely possible but it just it comes off very strangely well we've been complaining about a lot of stuff and we've been praising some stuff what's your main complaint about this fanfic can I take the fact that it just covers it just novelizes so much of the latter part of Ava because that was my least favorite part of it I think that's fair yeah I can't believe that the author was so afraid of dicks that they had to make Haru a girl that is low-hanging fruit also like what it is i what? mean i know it is but <laughs> no, no, it i'm not saying that's a bad thing it's just that's an that's a yes. totally obvious thing to get pissed off about <laughs> it's so upsetting it's, there's not even a thematic reason or just i know they given. don't say anything about it it just becomes like this confusing thing of like i guess he just you wanted to have another character with boobs yes i don't know i mean to be fair that's a very anime very yeah. popular thing to do. Yeah, but I'm still struggling to make sense of it in my own brain. And all I can say is, if you're that scared of dicks, you're probably gay. Also outside Sorry, our realm buddy. of speculation. Oh, Don't. outside of your realm of speculation. Fair enough. 
Mm-hmm. Dom, is there anything we didn't mention that you wanted to call out specifically there? I wasn't fond of a lot of the um, technical construction of it, a lot of the sentence structure, writing, a lot of repeated phrases, as mm-hmm. you pointed out. I, I didn't notice any of those. <laughs> <laughs> also, the general... Le- I've, I don't, I'm not sure whether I should point this out or not, because I think it's going to be a theme hmm. in just about every fanfic we read. I mean, besides the... the Fan Japanese, which is also a fun mm-hmm. thing and everything we mm-hmm. read, which I just just mark that down as me not liking it every time. Mm. <laughs> but just the general... You should call that out every time. Just mm-hmm. the general lack of respect to uh, mm-hmm. uh, about women in general. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that, like... Hell yeah. Like, yeah. there's... Like, quotes like, they're so sensitive, that's... And yeah. they're so... And Shinji being the better huge. person by being courageous and masculine. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of makes me check out. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. But, but to be fair with the fan Japanese, there was also some fan German in there, which is, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I haven't been too exposed as much, but... At least yeah, equal opportunity. Yeah. Oh, well, wait, the author said their first language wasn't English. What is their first language? No yeah. idea. And I guess I feel bad about criticizing the structure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, you know, initially, you know, just to expose myself, I was going to be like, why do they keep saying first children... Instead of first child, well, but then I realized the first language wasn't English. Well, it's so. also like a direct quote from the anime, isn't it? That is a direct phrase. That's what they say in the Japanese, it? but it's bad English in the Japanese. Yeah. So yeah. actually, you it, should translate it, except that some people thinking, don't. Yeah. Or put quotes around it. I just... Uh, okay. I don't know. I, even just, then I guess I didn't really remember strange, that. Really I just that. remember reading the subtitles of first, second, third, first child or children. But anyway... So what's that your place. favorite things? I like the the concept of the omakes. Not all of them hit home for me. Mm-hmm. Some of them were just kind of weird or like needlessly violent or something for the sake of a, of a laugh. Mm-hmm. But well, like the pen pen one was funny, mm-hmm. and the concept yeah. of taking your work very seriously and then letting yourself be free for a moment was mm-hmm. unique. I liked it. It's and certainly endearing. Like it makes yeah. me feel better about the author that they're like, yeah, I'm just writing some shit, but like I can also like make fun of it or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, Maka were really funny. I will say that. Well, Except, you know, for the one that was really transmissionistic with Hikari. Um, anyway, but I will say that, like, I appreciated the detail the author put into this. Like, you do feel like at times, for me personally, I dragged on. But, like, they really went, you know, they described the detail on Ray's dress that, you know, Shinji had Misato buy for her. And the details of, like, people's facial expressions and, like, very detailed character interactions. And they even kind of understood, I felt, you know, I said I was triggered by a couple scenes that represented people's responses to their childhood, like, mm-hmm. you know, a trauma, like, if abuse from their parents or sexual abuse. Um, and the fact that those were triggering meant that the author actually wrote those very well. Because the author didn't write anything specific about what the abuse was, but they wrote the characters' reactions. They're taking it seriously. Yes. And and they wrote... When they wrote Asuka in the tent coming on to Shinji, I felt like it was very real. Like, her dissociation was real. Her, Her... Her trauma was represented in the fact that she couldn't really express emotion in there. But, like, it, I felt like the author really did understand what it was like to try to respond to an emotional world 
when trauma has locked off your emotions. And in, like, looking at those details and analyzing those details, maybe if the author didn't even understand, they at least analyzed the details in the source material to a point where they replicated them. And that... I'm not saying it's one or the other, but I'm saying they did that very well. They, they represented that very well. And I thought it was nicely respectful in that way. Was there something positive that called out to you, Hamada? Yeah, something that I haven't talked about on this show specifically yet, but I, I've got to say I find it really charming when you kind of have a whole community effort around a fanfic. And in addition to this author having proofreaders, sending out multiple drafts, getting feedback, mentioning making changes, also one thing we did not see on the fanfiction.net copy is the various side stories written by other authors. Mm. And like I always think that's really cool when I see on this web archive copy of the website for the fanfic, like, you know, five, half a dozen, a lot of different other authors writing side stories, sequels, like alternate alternate stuff going on. And I just think that's um, it's cool seeing people doing these creative works as part of a community and in conversation with it. And mm. so I'm going to propose that we discuss those side stories in a spin-off podcast called Retro Fanfic Fanfic Retrospective. <laughs> Retrospective. <laughs> no, that will be when we are going back and commenting on the episodes of Retro Fanfic Fanfic Retrospective. Oh, no. Okay, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I get the, all, all the feeds ready for that. I'm not sure how I'm going to live that long. <laughs> Live fast and die young. Uh, you'll live long. It'll just be a very poor quality of life. Yeah. Uh, I think I might uh, invest in some uh, very high-risk, low-security stocks and uh, hope I get rich. In the meantime, you just have uh, next week's fan fiction to look forward to. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you for grinding through this with me. As a reward, I want to read a fanfic that I know is going to get us excited. So next fanfic, we're going to go with Sailor Trek, a Borg to remember, a second in a series of someone writing Sailor Moon crossovers with every Star Trek series in order. Yes. But having glanced at it real quick, we don't need to read the original series one. Like, it's fine, you know. Yeah, we can just skip the original series. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go right into this. And I have a burning question that I'm hoping to answer. Who will throw the fight to make the other person look good? I mean, who will lose the fight so the author can make the other person look good? Hmm. Worf? Or Jupiter. Because they both do that a lot. Oh. What if they fought each other? That's oh what I'm God. saying. <laughs> what if they made out? <laughs> what if they fought All, and made out, then fought again, then made out? All these questions okay. and more, I'm sure, will be answered. I'll be right back. i got something to write. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to throw that up online. I think we'll just put it on bit.ly slash RFR Sailor Trek. Uh, we're probably not going to do another Sailor Trek, and if we do, we can add the subtitle to the well, it'll be yeah. hot link. Too, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we can definitely do that. Until then, this was episode one of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, The One I Love Is by Elaine... I dropped the ball here. Was the author female? No, I it's A-L-A-I-N. Is that okay. I think that's a man's name. I'm assuming based on there. Alan, Alan Gravel? And, and the content of the... Yeah, the yeah. content. Yes. That was a Evangelion fanfic. You can find a copy of it on the website, fanfiction.net. That is the, the live copy of it, or various uh, you know dead copies on the Internet Archive. Our hot link is yes. bit.ly slash RFR toily, T-O-I-L-I. If you want to read on your mobile device, just add a M to the destination 
uh, address when you get there. Mm-hmm. I, I linked it to the desktop version. <laughs> and of course, there are links from the TV Tropes website. Yes, that was that. I, I wish you told me there was a TV Tropes website. I would have been much more prepared it, for this there's, podcast. There's very <laughs> actually very little on TV Tropes. So. But and it's I would be more it. distracted by everything else I clicked on after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, next time we'll tell you. Okay. And I'm Amato. I'm Dom. I'm Tori. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Okay, we love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Retro Fanatic Retrospective. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Hopi's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode? Send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. <laughs> the screensaver motto. It's a little chibi dragon. Oh, fuck you, I'm a dragon. <laughs> so true. I just looked over. And I was <laughs> it's it was pretty trolly for the original generation to have like one dragon for it to be like dragon type. Well, I, I mean, one, one dragon type, right? One dragon the, type. A few yeah. other dragons, but, like, for it to be, like, an elegant, you know, worm thing into Puff the Magic Dragon, like, yeah. the big doofy guy. Yeah. I thought that was, it's pretty funny. <laughs> but also, like, um... Hey, if you play Dragonite in a ball, really does that make it cute. a dragon ball? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, no. it does. Oh. Okay. So on that note, ready to start whenever you are? <laughs> All right. I'm ready. <laughs>